So hi and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. And if you, like me, have ever wondered what the word transformational means in leadership, well, wait no longer, because today's guest, Nick Jankel, will help us with all things transformational. Now that has set you up for great success, Nick. In a constantly changing world, today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So welcome to the Leadership Enigma, Nick Jankel. How are you? I'm great. Feeling buzzed up by that music. <laughs> you can't help, can you, but feel buzzed <laughs> up with, with that music. So uh, I know you have to sit through that, so my apologies. I'm thinking, am I a rising star or am I, am I, have I made it? I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what? It's interesting. I did uh, a podcast a couple of days ago where I played that intro on my new gadget here, which you know about. And it was funny. I could see the guest also looking thinking, which one of those am I? So no, no. Where would you put yourself? What category do you fall into? Rising up, start, disruptor, experienced lead? I don't know. All of the above? What do you yeah, reckon? A bit of each, I think. I think I've always liked to keep a bit of... Um, I'm always a disruptor in... in um, in terms of innovation in, you know, breaking rules. Yep. Um, but I guess I'm also getting more and more seasoned as a few of those gray hairs start to tweak into my beard um, and have had some success along the path. So, you know, trying to keep it all, you know, a bit of all, all those plates spinning. So let's start with you. So give everyone just a little overview or introduction to you because, you know, you and I met at an event where I know you were a keynote speaker for us and that was amazing. But I know you do keynotes and you touch upon motivation, inspiration, innovation, leadership and, of course, transformation. But how would you describe what you do right now to the listeners? So right now I definitely major on this idea of transformation and i look at that from a point of view of transformational leadership mm -hmm. and working um to help leaders become more transformational um i also work in transformation of individuals so personal transformation and actually that's one of the places where leadership and personal development collide is in self-transformation how do i transform my own patterning my habits my thoughts my moods my emotional reactivity my sense of who i am inside me at three in the morning you know 10 and 10 and 10 at night yep so that's kind of where, where i've got to now um and yeah i manifest that in keynote speaking i do a lot of keynote speeches even during lockdown a lot of virtual keynote speaking going on surprisingly large amounts of virtual keynote speaking going on um leadership programs is a core thing um but i'm also to talk about the innovation thing i'm also looking always to push on the way we deliver transformational experiences into the world so uh, about to relaunch a product i first created 15 years ago right. which is a peer-to-peer leadership coaching experience so really saying you know what you don't need to be a coach um you need to be a human being um and we'll give you some tools some frameworks some context some some rules tips whatever and you guys can have an amazing peer-to-peer -peer coaching experience so um I'm, that's a lovingly created innovation it's quite disruptive uh, even now after 15 years of developing it, it's quite disruptive because okay. it doesn't have a coach with a five-year degree uh, in the mix there's just two human beings okay 
you know, and uh, pushing into some AI and VR stuff as well, which is always quite exciting. Well, that puts you into the disruptor category for sure. I now, think so. <laughs> so we're going to talk about transformational leadership and actually what, what does that mean? I think that's such a good question for this episode. But let's go backwards before we go forwards. You didn't start as a transformational leadership expert. Your life started very differently. So just give us an idea of the journey to get you here. Well, in all good uh, narrative storytelling processes, um, where I started off and where I got to are actually almost like the same thing. Right. But, you know, really weird journey to get there. So I actually started my professional life wanting to be a medic. Um, so I went to medical school and I really wanted to be a psychiatrist. And there you can start to see where transformational leadership and psychiatry have some, quite a lot of overlaps. Okay. Um, Early clues. You know the old adage, everyone's got 20-20 hindsight. It's easy to make a story. Um, well, it's not actually that easy, but that's another conversation. It's, it's, it's important as a leader to join the dots of your story, your own story, because then it helps people understand where yeah. you can help take them yeah. and so i i through actually writing books have worked out that i realized i've kind of been doing the same thing in just totally different ways so i went to medical school wanted to be a psychiatrist ended up spending uh, a year studying philosophy of science um which blew my mind because that was when i started to realize that there were people who were studying essentially what we would now call disruptions or revolutionary thinking was was created how did we go from newtonian um, physics to quantum physics. That was like a massive shift of mindset. And we had all the data for years, but people didn't have the mindset to see it in a different story, right, basically. And so I studied that and I was like, oh my God, this is so much more interesting than um, working in the uh, mental health system to me at the time. Uh, left medical school and ended up skipping into uh, an ad agency that was working with disruptive, there was disruptive brands, that was their main thing. Right. Again, all this was not like planned. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go for this one ad agency. It's always special. the best way, Nick. Exactly. It was all just sort of happened. And, and then within two and a half, three years of doing um, working as a strategist in an ad agency, I started my own company, uh, which, again, started off as a kind of um, helping tech disruptors grow. Uh, and ended up being an, a full-service innovation agency, um, helping, you know, work Microsoft, Disney, whatever, develop business models, basically, I mean, disruptive business models. And then that's when everything pivoted, because I then realized that we developed a really, and it was, and it is, and we still use it, um, brilliant innovation process. Tools, right. process, workshops, facilitation, guides. We, we created in-house innovation programs for people like Cabaries. You know, really amazing, state-of-the-art. But the bit that always made the difference was whether the culture, the leadership culture, the, the mindsets, the heart sets, whether that was in place. And I realized that was actually a much harder thing to do than create and run an innovation process, um, was to get people being innovative and that's when i started getting invited to do innovation uh, leadership work and that's when i realized it touched back into my love of neurobiology my love of psychotherapy my love of of human development and that was about 15 years ago and that's when i pivoted fully into leadership development you see i, I love this uh, the leadership in england i'll tell you why for selfish reasons because i get to talk to people who think very differently 
uh, from me. I, I just did a boring law degree and became a lawyer, and and the rest is history. But you know, you think in a different. I love that when you said you wanted to know the difference between was it Newtonian something and quantum physics. It's not a question I've ever asked myself, but I'm fascinated that that was on your mind at some point uh, whilst you were studying. I think that's brilliant. So I was furiously nodding uh, in order to try and at least look as if I knew what you were talking about. But it does take us to the subject of this episode about transformation, transformational leadership. I hear the word, I read the word. What on earth are we talking about when we're talking about transformation in the context of leadership? Because one of the things I I saw from your work and also delighted me is that you look at leadership right across the piece. So whether it's the 19-year-old disruptor in a garage through to the CEO of a FTSE or Fortune company, it's about the application of leadership to all and everyone in a very, very inclusive way. So let me start with that incredibly wide question. What are we talking about, Nick, when we talk about transformation in this arena? I mean, yeah, it's a wide question, and there's a number of lenses that we can look through to answer that question. I think the first start point I always like to to begin is outside in. And we'll come back to inside out because they're they're both beautifully important. And and I was actually saying in some way, transformational leadership is the harmony of outside in and inside out. Okay. we can come to that. Um, so outside in, why transformation leadership, I think is really important. It's because n- right now there isn't a single organization, and that includes tech unicorns who have just got a business model for the last five years. There's not, there's not a single organization whose existing business model, process structures, workflows, organogram, people model, talent pipeline, whatever. There's not a single organization whose model of any part of their business is staying relevant and successful for long periods. Because of the changing environment. Because of the changing environment. And this has never really happened before. So the the statistics of uh, that company used to last for 75 years on average. Now it's down to under 10, it looks like. I saw that. That's incredible, Um, isn't it? Yeah. And, And, but what, for me, that's like big talk. Smaller talk, you know, your expenses policy, your um, travel uh, policy for your sales team, whatever it is, you know, your app UX, it's just, it can't stay the same. It, uh, the way you print your documents, whatever it is, nothing can stay the same because everything outside us is changing. And I, I actually used the words yesterday, relentlessly changing, but also ruthlessly changing. Okay. Because there's an evolutionary principle at stake here, which is adapt or die. And the, and we all know that's a kind of, you know, it's truism from, you know, grade seven um, science. The organisms that adapt survive and those that don't adapt don't. But what's interesting to me in the corporate world is, until recently, if you were big enough, you know, FTSE 100, Fortune 50 type size. Yep. It didn't matter how fast the world was changing because you had some form of, maybe not monopoly, but you had access to means of production and, and, and distribution that were really expensive to get, essentially. So if you were making cars, it's really hard to start up a car manufacturing business. If you're in media, it's really hard to start up a radio station, right? Um, used to be back in the day. Those barriers to entry. Yeah, barriers to entry. So basically you could say, well, you know, we know Walmart, you don't know Walmart. So what our shampoo have always been sold in Walmart. So all we have to do really is do a bit of renovation, a bit of new branding, lovely new bottle, um, new smell, blah, blah, some ads, you know, great. And that's why I saw the ad industry. This is why that's, my story is quite interesting is that I was seeing companies used to just doing a bit of advertising as a way of reinventing their business. Right. So it doesn't matter what we like inside the company. 
we'll just don't do a lovely 60 second commercial and everyone will be like yeah you guys are amazing and then suddenly the internet came along which wasn't the only thing but it's really game changer in that suddenly you could go oh i've just seen this website and all hundred of your people who work at your call center hate you and um some of them committed suicide oh our adverts don't work anymore to make us look good right and that's just the big, you know, the, the thin edge of, of the wedge, because then it starts this internet, and not just internet, the climate change and, and, and changing generations and changing ge- disrupted customer types, really, more important than technology, um, start going, well, I don't really want to have to come into a bank to sign a mortgage. I've got this other app that gives me a mortgage in literally 12 seconds with a selfie of my uh, driving license. Why can't you do that, old bank? my dad's bank that I happen to be still with. And it's so boring to move back, but Hey, these guys also make it easy to move back. So that's why nothing we do. One of my start points of leadership is nothing we do stays the same level of value, right? Because value is a function of how useful we are to our customers. We have to always remember that. Uh, That's one of the things I love to tell senior leaders who are very, very successful, but struggling with transformation, struggling with digital, struggling with innovation, which is if a customer can solve the problem you used to solve for themselves they don't need to pay you to do it oh dot 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 and customers are getting more empowered than probably most of the people in your management team right as in they can they're starting to solve their own problems faster and faster so if your product was all about solving this problem but that problem i've now solved for myself or i've realized it's nothing like as important as this problem like mental health or having a climate to still live in, it suddenly starts to become less interesting. Your product's less interesting. Prices go down, margins go down, dot, dot, dot. That's kind of like the start point of transformation leadership is getting that, is really realizing that. Gotcha. You know, Nick, it reminds me, I think it was a Jack Welch quote, wasn't it? When he said, if the pace of change externally is faster than the pace of change internally, well, the end is in sight. Exactly right. right. And when I was 20-something, three, I think it was, and it was like a few weeks before I set up my first company, I was in an ad agency and I was read this thing that you may have heard of back in the day, dot-com day, called the Clue Train Manifesto. And it eventually became a book. But at the time, it was just a website. And one of the quotes was almost exactly that, which is markets are getting smarter, faster than most companies. Got to keep As up. Got to keep customers. up. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I suppose a lot of our organizational clients now say they want to be the disruptor and not the disrupted. But we know mm-hmm. full well that there are some 18, 19-year-olds in a garage somewhere trying to disrupt some of the biggest monolithic clients that we know of at the moment. And long may that continue, but that's happening. And that's and it's really interesting because one of the things that I like to remind people is Instagram, for example, billion, multi-billion dollar business. By the time it was sold, it only had nine employees. And one of the things I love to do is look around a room of 40 leaders and say, how many groups of nine are there? Oh, four. So within a year from now, which is how long it took them to sell their company, um, you could create $4 billion businesses if you were operating with the same mindsets as these people, because these people didn't have access to the same levels of capital and widgets and, I don't know, um, you know, tooled, tooled up manufacturing plants that you've got access to. Yeah. So in fact, it should be easier for you because you've got loads of cash and you can get more cash from the city or from Wall Street if you want it, right? Because you are X brand. So what's missing? And that's transformation leadership, ultimately. You, you know what? I took a group of pharma executives a couple of years ago, Nick, to Silicon Valley, and they are a billion-dollar entity. 
uh, within the pharma sector, and they met a number of uh, what I would call health tech entrepreneurs, and yeah. they had nothing to their name. They were one, two, three, four, five people in their teams, and they were yeah. scrambling around for money. Me, as we used to say. Yeah, but you know what? They actually put the executives to shame, and they felt very humbled because what they came away and said was they have no resources, but their resourcefulness is off the chart. Exactly. And that's really where we can now go back into the inner inside out conversation. Yep. So that's the outside in. Like as a leader, what am I looking at on the horizon the, the, where we have to pay attention to this thing and we can't just leave it for someone else and we can't just pretend it's not a thing. Is, and the great news is there's loads of those at the moment. You yep. know, digital is one, obviously. Um, pandemics and sort of health system breakdowns and political instability, another. Yeah, the world is slightly um, bonkers. All outside in. And then inside out, we've got to have resourcefulness, right? Because we don't always have the resources we need. In fact, I don't know any exec who goes, yeah, I've got the board's just giving me a blank check, mate. You know, let's let's go and innovate, right? You have to fight for every penny, every dollar, every whatever, and you've got to do a business case. And and one of the great joys of my life is when people say to me, it's about 20 years now of running innovation programs, people say to me, can we have a business case for the thing that we're going to develop in the innovation program? I'm like, uh, but if we knew what the answer was, we wouldn't need to do the innovation program. So we can't do a business case for the future of something that we haven't invented yet. It's one of the great conundrums of transformation leadership, right? Is you want, you've been trained to have the right answer and to have the rules and to have a business case, which is basically an expression of the right answer. Old school thinking. To, Old school thinking, huh, Nick? Old school thinking. Yeah, exactly. And then we're trying to create the new answer where we can't create a business plan, a business plan for the future. Anyway, I digress. So the inside out story is like, okay, so what do I have to bring to this party? The party's happening, can't get away from the party. And either I'm going to be like, you know, the wallflower at the party and I'm going to, or I'm going to stare at the wall and no one's going to talk to me or I'm going to be the really boring person who speaks over and over again about themselves. You know, enough about me. Uh, what do you think about me? Is the, uh, is yeah, the- enough about you, more about me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, is, what am I going to bring to this party? And what have I got inside me? What do I need to develop inside me? And that's really what I, where I love to then sort of go, which is we all have so much more than we think. Um, and, but it doesn't happen by accident. It takes relentless, um, and, and I'm going to use the same words, it takes relentless and ruthless self-development okay. to become the resilient, creative, innovative, agile, adaptable, emotionally intelligent, wise um collaborative um but also can get stuff done when i need to dot 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 leader that i think is what this moment is calling for it takes a lot of effort doesn't it there were i had um john amici on the show and he said that leadership is energy expensive and what you're describing is that kind of personal development is energy expensive it's not going to come naturally and time expensive and i'd also say it's actually real world money expensive because one of the things that we, we learn after many years of working in business is anything that happens has to have a budget attached. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So if you say to your leaders, I want you to be reflective for an hour a week, and I want you to coach each other, and I want you to also do some innovation, blue skying, that has to take some time and time is money. So yeah. it is intensive. One of the things I love to do in the beginning of a, of a leadership development program is to say, you know, stand up if you've spent if you've been given, let's just say given, more than 10 hours of education on how your brain and body works. Okay. Bear in mind, we've only got one tool 
to influence the world, right? And it's your brain and your body, which we call in our work, your body mind. It's one thing, not two things. It's one, you've got one vehicle to affect all the change, adaptation, innovation, and transformation you want to. And how have you had 10 hours of lectures, lessons from school, whatever on it? And most people say, no, what about hundred hours? What about thousands? What about 10,000 hours? You know, the mythical 10,000 yeah, hours. The mythical 10,000 hours. Go, well, there you go. That's why you're not a virtuoso at your own self because you haven't spent much time on it, you know, and that's just a simple equation. So that, um, Again, people often ask me, you know, how come you, you're, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you're a keynote speaker, and then, but you're also there, and then you do some TV, and then, but you all seem to have a really great relationship with your wife. And I said, because I spend enormous amounts of time looking at myself and changing my own ugly bits, what I call foibles and fragilities. Which we um, all have. And, and I spend loads of time work talking to my collaborators, partners, um, wife, whatever sorting out our interpersonal stuff so that we can collaborate smoothly. But that takes enormous amounts of time. And if you don't want to do that, don't expect the out, the equation to work for you. And courage and vulnerability and introspection things. and self-reflection. Exactly. And I could keep going, right? But this is energy expensive. And those take energy and time and they take focus. Like you've got to be more courageous. Often a big issue in transformation leadership, in innovation is actually, I don't know if I've got the moxie and the chutzpah to go to my boss and say, I want this budget or let's go over here and explore this area. Right. And that's just emotional courage. It's an emotional facet of ourselves, but it can be developed. It doesn't just come from nowhere. You know, maybe there are a few people who are just natural born transformers. Um, I don't personally know any, but maybe there are. Everyone else I know has had to work hard on themselves to be transformational. Now, Nick, I'm going to ask you what you mean by triple threat, because I know you've mentioned that before in some of your keynotes. But before I get to that, I can't ignore the fact that we're still in lockdown and trying to see the end of a global pandemic. And hell, let's never waste a good crisis. So <laughs> with pandemic in mind, have you seen any evidence that the pandemic has forced leaders into a different way of operating, into a different way of thinking? Or into a different way of acting in order to think differently. Have you noticed any changes forced by the current situation? Yes and no. Okay. Um, and I think that maybe there are two different broadly responses to this puppy as we've had to deal with. One is, ha, this is an amazing moment to reflect on myself, my own purpose, what yeah. I want to do with my life. What, who am I as a leader? Where do I want to work? What kind of projects do I want to work on? And from the corporate level, what about our business needs to change? I mean, might as well do it now yes. because this is the moment, right? So that's kind of one mindset. And that's of what I would obviously call the adaptive transformational mindset. Yep. The other is when can I go back on holiday? When can we go back to, where can I get into the office? Just let's do more of the same, but faster kind of version. Yeah. Um, and I've seen both, you know, and that's, that's a natural, that's a very natural way of engaging in complexity and crisis. And a mix of the two, no doubt. And a mixture of the two. I mean, I think we, we've all had that kind of, you know, let's do some reflection. Oh, but can I just for go and have some time with my friends? You know, whatever it is that you know it's important to us. When's the pub um, open? Yeah, when will this thing bloody end? It just goes on forever, and it could well. <laughs> reality check is it could well go on for a lot longer than any of us. Oh want. no, stop! I'm the I'm forever the optimist, Nick. I I, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> 
Well, that's actually, I'm going to pick up on that because I wrote an article at the beginning, a blog at the beginning of the lockdown because people were looking at my feed and going, God, you're pessimistic. And I said, no, I'm not at all. I just want to be reality of yeah. what is the reality of what's going on here. It's just like before we even knew about social distancing, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I ended up writing articles saying, do not stay positive in a pandemic. And basically it was a, a, bit, it was a bit of a bait and switch. Of course we want to be optimistic. Of course we want to see what's possible. But leadership is not about hoping for the best. It's about being really clear with what is. Because then when you're clear on what is, you have a much better capacity to be resourceful about what might be. But if we keep pretending to ourselves that it's all going to go back to normal and actually climate change is not really a big thing and actually our customers are going to stay with us, they're not going to die. No, it's all going to be okay. You know, it doesn't help. So we don't want to be pessimistic. Yeah. But I think we want to be able to, you know, lock gaze with the threats, the triple threats. I'm going to come back to the triple threats, but you also said something I think is really interesting because the pandemic at some point will be over. Uh, we will navigate our way through Brexit, but then there will always be something else. But some of those other things are actually globally important. Uh, as you say, uh, you know, we talk about peace on the planet and we talk about poverty on the planet. We talk about climate change on the planet. We may not have a planet, Nick. So totally. it's about getting some perspective on this, but this is never going away. There are always going to be something to disrupt us that we have to navigate around through over or we just have to get to grips with and say this is the new normal i'm not sure i like that phrase but you know what i mean when i say that i do i do i've done quick keynotes on the new normal um that's another so episode one of the things i think this is why i find enormous amount of compassion for myself actually start point and my clients because if you're over a certain age and they're and probably in a leadership role, whether it's officially called a senior leader or whatever, you know, too, yeah. too, not important. We grew up in a world that it was changing, but we kind of knew how to deliver a good X. An X is the product, service, whatever that you deliver. The great widget. Yeah, a widget. And our boss had been doing it for a while, our boss's boss, and we could learn from them. And, and you yeah, know, we might change a few bits and bobs, but things were quite stable relatively and i think one of the things i think we have to you know the new normal is continuous transformation that's the new normal right um that's daily hourly you wrote up on a whiteboard all your products all your processes all your procedures policies programs projects i like my alliteration and you had like a hundred of them on this whiteboard and you look at each one and you look them through the lens of maybe this triple threat um you know digital what's changing uh, disruptive customers and users, employees, um, customers, consumers, and damaged world, p- pollution, biodiversity loss, climate change, sea level rise. That, uh, that's the triple threat, is it, Nick? Sorry to interrupt you. The three you just mentioned, is that the triple threat? That's the triple threat, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, just so uh, the listeners are clear that... Yeah, it's just a tool. The triple threat is a... I call it the 3D futures framework. It's just a way of... Uh, the level of complexity we have in the world right now is so much, and our brains weren't evolved to deal with as much complexity, right? Yep. And I love complexity, and I, I believe part of transformation leadership is fully engaging in complexity. But in order to make sense of things reasonably quickly, innovate a solution, and execute, we have to simplify the complex but never be simplistic. And so the 3Ds, digital, disrupted, damaged, is a tool that you can look at just three lenses rather than 512 trends and okay. 3,000 you know, strategy um let you know facets i like three i'm a simple guy yeah, three, three is simple good three like digital exponential technologies 
um, AI blockchain, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's enough of those, you know, um, 3D printing, machine-to-machine learning, whatever. Digi- uh, disrupted, which is my favorite, which is changing generational needs and desires and wants and and, and habits and flavors. And then the third is all the things that you, you said, which basically question whether we're going to have a world or not. So the existential risks that we all face, right? So those are the three three Ds. And if you put all your products services up on the wall and you looked at them through these three different glasses, say, you would realize that almost all of them would be flashing going, you must transform me. You must transform me. Yes. Warning, but, warning. Warning, warning. <laughs> out of date. Obsolescent. <laughs> irrelevant. Um, uh, redundant, you know. Uh, it's interesting. I love the word redundant because it, it kind of explains what it means as a leader. If your redundancy is, you just don't have a role here. You don't, there's not, you don't have a fit, right? Um, I should be really clear about all this. I am a totally believe that all this transformational need is, is nothing about being good or bad. It's just about fitting a changing world. It's just, it's, it's sort of, it's value neutral in terms of, it's not about, it's not a good person to be transformational. It's not bad. It's just that if we want to be, be a value, we have to transform ourselves. If we want to have products that are of value and people pay for them, we have to transform them. So, um, but the challenge we've all got is we can't give that much attention to all those different products, processes, procedures, policies, and transform ourselves and be resilient and have a relationship outside of work and have children and nourish them because what's the point if we're not doing that? And so we have, it's a lot. It's just basically a lot. And so this is where that deep inner resourcefulness comes because we have to choose some of the things, let go of others, be okay with some stuff starting to fade and be painful. But you know what? We know about it. It's just, we just can't get to that right now. And be comfortable with it. And be comfortable with the massive... Incompletion. Actually, one of the things or that comfortably are, uncomfortable was that a phrase? Comfortably, comfortably uncomfortable, yeah. and be okay with emotional discomfort. And I think that's actually one of the things that I think is now to connect that back to an outer reality. If you think about modern capitalism, most of it has been about creating comfort where there was no comfort. Comfort and convenience is basically the 20th century. Oh, you wanted to go to Spain? Oh, now you can do it for 100 quid. Uh, that's comfortable, comfortable and convenient. You know, you wanted to have headphones. Now you don't have to have a wire and they cut out some sound. Yeah, dot, 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 dot. Um, and one of the things I think we're all going to have to get really okay with is, A, this discomfort and being okay with the discomfort. But also my sense is that for us to have a regenerative environment, a world that works, you know, food systems, water systems, health systems, we're going to have to give up some comfort and convenience over the coming years. So we might as well get used to it. So we might as well get used to being okay with this product is totally unfinished, but we're going to ship it anyway. You know, the classic uh, technology discomfort. This UX for our talent retention um, uh, website, it's not perfect, but we just got to get something happening, you know. Take risks. Um, We've got to take risks. Find out what continu- works. Continuous beta is one of the things I like. You know, beta oh, I like is that a, phrase. Yeah. You know, continuous beta. We're, we, we are work in progress. We are never a perfect leader. There is no such thing as a perfect, fully realized, fully unfolded leader. Uh, and to think so is madness and it's going to cause us suffering and pain. So we've got to be okay with what my son, uh, it's now his um, Netflix username uh, I saw the other day, is Wabi Sabi, the Japanese term for the perfection of imperfection. The perfection of imperfection. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So if when I did a pottery, my wife bought me a pottery course for my birthday a couple of years ago. And wabi sabi is when you throw your pot 
you put loads of effort into it and then one bit sort of squidges and sort of collapses a bit, right? And rather than going, oh, so annoyed, let me do it again, you appreciate that bit as the bit that makes the whole thing perfect because it's imperfect. I love all of that. Now, Nick, <laughs> who, who would you... I'm, I'm actually thinking of the film Ghost when you talk about pottery, but again, that's another episode altogether, isn't it? I don't know why I'm oh, thinking I'm about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this, it is. <laughs> I, I told you this episode could go anywhere. Um, well, uh, is there anyone, anyone you'd point to as doing well in the transformational leadership space? Someone who embraces constant change, who takes associated risks and is comfortable with the uncomfortableness is it just those people that we might associate with big tech companies or are those are there other people quietly doing a very good job of this i think actually that a lot of those tech unicorn um flying to mars type people yep. are actually not doing a great job okay. of being transformational they've actually just they've they found a a control system that works and they are you know reaping reaping the benefits of it. If you look at Facebook and its issues with ethics and social yeah. control and whatever, it's not doing a great job of being relevant. And if anyone could disrupt them, they, they, they're they really open for disruption, actually. Well, Clubhouse um, has just arrived on the scene, hasn't it? Exactly. Exactly. I've already already thought, hmm, maybe I could live without Facebook. But Amazon, exact, again, ethically, um, em- employment law, um, climate change wise, um, philanthropically wise, is wide open for disruption, right? Yep. So in fact, a lot of these unicorns have found a control mechanism from um, essentially old world thinking, but levering digital technologies to do it. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't like it. It's not good. If they could, if they could live without these things, they would, and they will do. So actually, I don't think that necessarily is where the answer has been. Um, what happens next with these companies, I think, is very interesting. Is you know, can you adapt your model? If you're Uber, if you're um, have had issues with um, you know right to operate because you've got some ethics issues or whatever, can you adapt your model, which has made you vast resources, vast riches, to actually be? ethically climate change wise blah 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 aligned talent and employment all that sort of stuff that's a really big big question but what the people who i think are the heroes of the moment are all the middle managers um and you know vps svps who don't get the glory moments very often um but they are relentlessly working away chipping away to transform their organizations and play a part in the world's transformation I work very lucky to work with a lot of um, young leaders uh, as, uh, in my work, not just um, awesome senior leaders, but also you know, 20-somethings, early 30s. The and some of the resources, the relentlessness, the enthusiasm, the purpose, the thoughtfulness, the care, uh, which is a big thing for me about transformation leadership is caring, expanding what we care about, um, essentially. Um, yeah, blow me away, to be honest with you. Um, humble me in what they're prepared to do. Without all that... You know, I get a lot of packs on the without the baggage. The well, without without all the acclaim, I get a lot of acclaim because I happen to have found a niche where I can write books and get nice reviews, or do keynotes and get nice reviews, or do podcasts and get nice reviews. So I get quite a lot of um, you know return return path from the system. Going, you're great, carry on. But a lot of people don't, and in fact, if anything, they get sort of negative because they're mavericks, they're difficult, they're asking questions that no one wants to ask. You know, and they still keep going. But they still keep going. And that's the people who I, when I'm designing a book or a online course or a toolkit, I'm designing for those unsung heroes. 
You know, I love to hear that. And, you know, we chatted earlier and I said to you, the audience for this podcast was wide because leadership is widely applicable, whether it is the 19-year-old in the garage wanting to be the disruptor or the CEO of a fortune or, or FTSE company and everything in between. And, and I'm comfortable with that because I, I do really, I'm passionate about the inclusivity aspect and the inclusivity of leadership. So those yeah. people who are leading themselves before they lead thousands of other people. Absolutely. I, I mean, something I often say is sometimes my little son acts more as a transformation leader than some of the people I work with on a daily basis. And leadership is, is a human skill and it's a birthright. I'm actually going to go one step further. Okay. It's a human birthright is to lead change and help others come along the journey of change. So we evolve, right? So I've got, a, I've got an unfair question for you, Nick. I'm on a roll now. I'm like, really? Now, I know some people have used the term futurist with you as well, yeah. which doesn't mean you're looking into a crystal ball, just so I can just dispel that myth. But, you but know, for all those... I'm going to get mine out from the from Oh, well, the if covers. you do now, you, it'll be brilliant. <laughs> uh, only I can see that. Um, but if we think about all the many thousands of leaders that one hopes listens to this over time, what should be some of the things that they need to be aware of over the horizon? What, what should they be looking out for? Maybe as yet unidentified, but I know we talked about the triple threat, but are there any things that people should be alive to, regardless of whether they're the 19-year-old disruptor or the 60-year-old mm -hmm. CEO? Any thoughts? Oh, so many. I mean, I, I think obviously truism, that if you don't have digitalness at the core of your business model, yep. it's over. It may not be over. It's going to be very painful. <laughs> I think it's just, it's going to be really painful. And and I'm also you know there are some things that I'm really clear on shouldn't be digital. So you know when I do a four day workshop where we're going to really get into our heart and really transform our old patterning and really reinvent ourselves, maybe the digital version isn't the best version for that. Right, you know, I agree debate to be just had yes. and i'm having that in our business at the moment you know how far can we use a digital program to take people into really unexplored territory that's a great question for, for me as a design question right but i think digital is really important um and particularly i'm going to say distributed distributed digital because the true purpose of the internet was distributed power right that was tim berners lee's you know vision in fact the head of twitter said recently basically that they think they're going to be disrupted because at the moment, the internet's become centralized and the internet wants to become decentralized. Okay. And human beings want to be decentralized. They want to be able to make decisions at their own place, in their own pace. And if you're on a customer care line and if you're serving, an uh, serving a customer in a retail environment, you want to be empowered to make decent, adaptive, dare I say, transformational choices. Yeah. So I think that's, that's two things there. So one is digital. The other is how can you decentralize? whilst never making the mistake of making it a free-for-all and it's all about consensus because that's not transformational either that's just um kowtowing to a sort of flatness of everyone wants to be equal i'm sorry i am the boss i'm the guy with the you know the 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 money or the or the lifetime's work on the line um i'm going to make the ultimate decision but i will be decentralized in the places where i honestly think yeah. with some support and empowerment you can make a pretty damn good creative decision you know yeah putting the decision making where the information is at yeah. the front line so that's, so that's decentralized that second thing i think is decentralized how can we decentralize uh, which is quite sounds not a big thing but it's way more disruptive than it looks because we live in a fully centralized hierarchical world where we're used to power being pulled to the center money being pulled to the center as you can see with that whole robin hood game stop 
uh, debacle. Oh, that's wow. basically uh, that's basically a drama around central and and distributed coming up. You know? it- is a bonkers world at the moment or has it always been bonkers but i just i've I've taken the blinkers off nick what a bit of therapy here would be useful i like to think in the 50s and 60s i don't think it was as bonkers as it is but you know when you see some movies set in those times there was some bonkersness going on yeah that's true just add human beings and and away you go now so the third thing i'm going to talk about um on the horizon for all of us to really question is the extraction versus contribution dynamic and when i mean extraction is i mean extractive industries that take from the ground take from um societies they take money they take value they take energy they take oil they, and then they leave a lot of pollution right. or mental health pollution you know for, to stretch the analogy and one of the things i'm very interested in and i actually have a, a second business all about this is how do we create businesses that are regenerative that actually give more than they take and leave the world better but also make a decent living, a decent profit. And that's going to be something I think we're all going to have to grapple with. And I think that's a multi-pound question, isn't it, for so many large organisations? Because, look, they want they want to make money and they want to sustainably grow, but they also want to be a force for good and consider how they give back to the communities within which they operate beyond just the product or service that they have, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and purpose, one of my things about purpose is if purpose hasn't cost you, it's probably not purpose. If your business purpose doesn't cost you, it's probably not. It's just marketing. And when you say, I don't mean cost you like um, it costs you a hundred grand for a purpose video. I mean, if it hasn't cost you something that you'd like to do, but you now can't personally cost you personally and business wise, we can't do that anymore. We can't use that supplier. We can't work with this vendor. We can't use this manufacturing. Well, it's like process. an ethical compass, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, it right. is. Now I, I, I'm loving this conversation and I hope that you'll come back and, and we'll talk more because uh, I know there are so many themes that you are wise on uh, and I can be insatiably curious and just ask lots of open questions. Um, how can people connect with you if they want to find out more? Because I also know you've written your latest book, which is Now Lead the Change. So, so direct people to the best place to connect. Well, ironically, Amazon. <laughs> for that book well there we um, go they've just got the best supply chain for for books basically now lead the change um it's a you know it's a it's a what do you call it it's a i wouldn't say my own thing is a masterpiece it's certainly a lot of work and love and years of experience and it's big you know it's a it's a it's a it's a sort of like a uh it's a guide to transformation leadership and it's, it's a lot in there so that would be a great place and then my website is actually i usually i, I do social media i like linkedin if you want to connect with me there yep. nick jankel linkedin me um we're on facebook switch on now all that stuff but you know what i love email and so the place where you get the most up-to-date content from me is um on our email um uh, newsletter and you can get that switch on now.com um and the footer you can put in your email i will say one more thing we run quite we run an amazing leadership program it's um for individuals not for we do it for companies but it's a program for individuals called master transformation leadership and as part of that we run quite regular free webinars on different facets of leadership and again if you go into our email you'll get a heads up on that but also on the homepage of our website you'll have things that you can sign up for if you fancy a bit I'm looking at that page now, Nick, and I'm going to be signing up because I fancy some of that too. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> why not? You heard it here first. Uh, listen, I've got a couple of fun questions for you just as, as, as we wrap this up. Uh, you are an author. So one of my first questions is, what's your favorite word? 
Oh my God. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know my favorite word is, but I'll give you um, a word I used this morning in our uh, coaching toolkit. Awestruck. Awestruck. And I was like, yeah, I feeling like that. that word today. Okay. Awestruck is a good one. Struck okay. by awe. And here's another question for you. What would be your best advice to a 21-year-old Nick? <laughs> um, well, I would say that being cognitively brilliant and complex and intellectual is not enough. And you have to develop what I now call embodied wisdom too. Love it. Nick, have you had fun? I had a great time. I can't ask for anything more than that. I hope that you will come back to the Leadership Enigma and we will talk and have more fun. You've been a star. Thank you so much. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.